You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Flip. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dada. This is it, folks. This is week one, Packers, Vikings. So for today, I guess one way to look at what we're going to do is we're going to look at all the games that are going on, but we're going to spend a lot of time on Packers, Vikings. Does that make sense? We'll start with that first, because I don't want to say, let's talk about the New York Jets, and then everybody leaves me. In fact, I don't even know if I'm going to talk about the Jets, but that's, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. So I want to look at a couple things. Um, first of all, let's just start at the bottom. The Packers-Vikings have um, held strong at 1.5 points. I thought that that momentum was going to continue to carry, and potentially, if it didn't go to even money, the Vikings might even edge out a, a little bit of a of a lead there, but since the last time we looked at it, they have stayed at 1.5 point favorites for the Green Bay Packers. And again, really, that's that's not horrible. I mean, you, you could look at it from one standpoint and say, we were one of the most dominant teams in football last year. The Vikings didn't even make the playoffs. Why is this seen as being so close? On the other hand, it's week one. It's a divisional matchup. It's in Minnesota. The fact that the Packers are still favored especially with the uncertainty with the loss of Devontae, the uncertainty of what the offense is going to look like or be able to do, to sit here and say, nah, the Packers are still better, even in Minnesota, even with the uncertainty, even being week one, the best money is going to be on the Green Bay Packers. I don't think that's a terrible thing. But with that, I want to play something for you. And, and again, it really goes to, and I'm sure some people are tired of hearing it, but the sort of anti-Packers bias. And, and really, I think with a lot of bias, I mean, there, there's, there's different kinds of, I guess, bias. There's, you know, Packer fans who are going to be in favor of the Packers more often than maybe they should be. That would be a pretty basic bias. You know, Bears fans thinking too highly of the Bears. That's sort of a willing blindness. But then I think a lot of times there is a belief that isn't true, that even though they keep getting things wrong. So I'm trying to think how to explain this. We build our worldview based on what we think, how we think things work. And what should happen is when we think something's going to happen and it doesn't happen, we should adjust our worldview. But that very rarely happens, right? Not going to get into politics, but that's a great area if you want to look at that just in general, right? If, if we do enact this policy, then this will happen. It doesn't happen. Yeah, well, it's somebody else's fault. No, maybe your worldview is wrong. Maybe how you think things work isn't true. Maybe what the other guy told you was going to happen, and then it did happen. Maybe you should evaluate that and say, maybe it's true, because they told you it was going to happen. You said, no, it's not, and then it did happen. And then you have to find some reason. You know what I mean? I think that happens with the Packers a lot. You guys are going to fail this year. 
And Packer fans say, I don't think so. Oh, yeah, you are because it, 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 it. and then they don't fail. Every year the Packers are going to fall off and then they don't. So I, I want to play this for you and I want you to keep what I said in the back of your mind. Uh, let's start with the Packers. The Packers last year were the second best team making money in the entire league. They covered 12 out of 17 games. That is incredible. Only Dallas did better. They covered 13 out of 17 games. So I want to stop there. What does that mean? That means that everybody, based on the best available information in terms of how they think things are going to go, based on their understanding of who the Packers are, what they are, the Packers beat those expectations more than any other team other than Dallas, which is to say the general view of the Packers was consistently lower than reality. That's exactly what Packer fans mean when we say there is an anti-Packers bias. There's a reality, and then there's where everybody thinks the Packers are. And it's been that way for quite a while now. It's funny, it, it, and I've, I've talked about this before, it seems like once things kind of fell off, let's say even in like 2015, there became a turn. And then came 2018, a terrible year for the Green Bay Packers, and everybody just decided the Packers fell off. And then they didn't, and they've come back stronger than maybe they've ever been. There has not been a 13-3 and team in a very long time. There has never been in NFL history a team that has gone 13-3 and three years in a row, or, or 13 wins three years in a row. That's never happened in the history of the NFL. But still, people look at the Packers and they go, eh, I don't know. I mean, they got Rodgers, but that's about it, you know. I'm sorry, teams with good quarterbacks and nothing else don't win 13 games. That does not happen. And it's actually funny. I, I actually think this ties into what the Kirk Cousins bias is because I'm just looking at it and I'm like, all right, let me find a quarterback that's actually really good, but the team isn't really good. It's the Minnesota Vikings. Do you know why there's an anti-Kirk Cousins slander? Because if Kirk Cousins was good, they'd be a good team. He would drag the team to 13, 14, 15 wins. In fact, if they had Aaron Rodgers on the Vikings, they'd be perennial Super Bowl contenders. This is just the belief. So if I tell you Kirk Cousins was the fourth highest graded quarterback in all of football and they still missed the playoffs, I wonder why. They'd say, no, that's not true. It can't be true because my worldview says if you have an elite quarterback, you win. The, the Packers are only good because of Rodgers. The Vikings are only not good because of Kirk Cousins. It's false. But they won't let go of the worldview, which is why they want Kirk Cousins gone, which is why they believe that the Packers are not good outside of Aaron Rodgers. How about Kyler Murray being the fifth highest graded quarterback? How did they do? How about Deshaun Watson in 2020? You know, the, the Texans had a real good run there, but then when the roster really started to fall apart, what happened? Deshaun was still there. They went 4-12 in 2020. He was the third highest graded quarterback with a 92.5 overall grade, which is a lot higher than Aaron Rodgers had this past year. He was like an 89. In 2020, Rodgers was a 95, but I'm just saying. Just to give you an idea of how good Deshaun was. What happened? Elite, elite. He probably would have been the number one quarterback this past year. Why did they go 4-12? and 12? I don't understand. I thought you just needed a good quarterback. The entire roster is underrated. And even when they'll come so far as to acknowledge it, they won't acknowledge it quite enough. Right? They know Elton's pretty good. They don't know how good. They know Rashawn is good. They don't know or won't acknowledge how good. They know Jair is good, but they won't acknowledge how good. Stokes... I just listened the other day, somebody said is garbage. <laughs> so, okay, there's that. Amos, they know his quality, they don't know how good. So when you're slightly underestimating every single position with the exception of the quarterback, but you think that that's mostly it, the running backs, they know the running backs are good, they don't acknowledge how good they are. Even the wide receivers. I'll acknowledge the wide receivers aren't great, 
but people think they're worse than they are. They think the wide receiver situation is worse than it is. They think the tight end situation is worse than it is. So when you slightly underestimate every single position on this team, you're going to come away with a worse view of the team than it actually is. And it's frustrating because they'll win 13 games throughout the season and nobody's opinion changes. That's why they won so many games above expectation because it wasn't like halfway through the year people figured it out and they're like, all right, I guess this team's better than... No, they consistently underestimated the Packers all throughout the year. And now we come back again for the fourth year. After winning 13 games for three years, we come back this year and people go, eh, I don't know. And that's not going to change. If we beat the Vikings and then we beat the Bears and we go on to have another 13-win season, people are going to go, eh, that's it. Here is the same guy that just said that the Packers are underestimated all year. That's not his words. Those are my words. But same guy. Here's his conclusion. Their D numbers should have been better. The bottom line is I'm not high on this Green Bay team right now and actually think Minnesota will win the division. I bet Minnesota at plus 375 to win the division. Frankly, I wouldn't be surprised if this team goes from 13 and 4 to 9 and 8. The Vikings, however, I think the opposite. I think Minnesota is going to be better than most people think this year. They have a new coach who doesn't hate on Kirk. By the way, for the, what, third, fourth, fifth year in a row, this is the case? New system and are absolutely freaking loaded with playmakers on offense. Same playmakers for the last two years. I'm so sick of hearing that. I'm so tired of it. They're loaded with playmakers. First of all, they're not loaded with playmakers. They kind of have one elite playmaker. They have one solid wide receiver that's used to be a top wide receiver that is now at his age gone down to solid number two wide receiver. And Dalvin Cook is massively overrated based on his product. His production is based on his volume. He's constantly injured. And again, they're going to move him into a more of a receiving role, which makes no sense. But go on with your loaded with weapons nonsense last year this minnesota team was 14th in the league in points 11th in their passing game and 17th in their running game this year they're going to be a top 10 offense and potentially a top five offense with an electric passing game first of all that's that wouldn't be that surprising but they should have been that last year so i i don't know we'll see i mean yeah it's it's a again Cousins is a great quarterback. Jefferson is a great wide receiver. Thielen is a high-quality receiver. And Dalvin is obviously a capable back when he can stay healthy, which is never. But again, same guys as the last couple years. Cook, Jefferson, Thielen, and Kirk. Thielen, but yep. Cousins, one of the best play-action passers in the game. He is, and they're getting away from that. And their O-line is pretty good. Same O-line, but yeah, they're getting better. Aside from the one guy that everybody thinks is great but sucks as pass blocking, which is like the rest of their offensive line, Ed Ingram. Their D, however, last year was freaking terrible. Yes. They were 24th in the league in points allowed. Their run D was 26th best out of 32. And their pass D, there were only four teams in the league worse than them on pass D. Oh, man. Oh, boy. They're basically one of the worst defenses in all of football, and Ugh. I don't think much has improved. Yep. Bottom line, I'm looking to play overs in these games. I'm also looking to play on Minnesota, especially if they're playing good teams and find themselves as a dog. Yep. I also am betting Minnesota, as I said, to win the division. In this particular game, I like over the total of 46. I expect... This game to be high scoring, to say the least. I was shocked that the number wasn't 49. 
I feel like we can easily get a 31-28 football game. And I also like Minnesota plus the points, whether whether it's two, one, one and a half. I think they win this game outright. Okay, so there you go. He took a long time getting to that point. I just wanted him to say he thought Minnesota was going to win. Um, I, I might as well shout the guy out, by the way. This is uh, Wager Talk TV on YouTube. We'll be going through a couple different things, but this is the point, right? This is why the Packers cover so often because people look at it and they go, dang, Cousins, Jefferson, Thielam, Dalvin, improved offensive line. He didn't even mention Irv Smith is back, although he might have a finger injury still thing. I don't really know how that all works out. I'm not sure. And the Packers, well, first of all, he went through the entire last year. I didn't play it because it was a lot. And, you know, if you if you want to listen to it again, it's uh, Wager Talk TV or whatever. But going on about how bad the defense was last year, therefore Minnesota's going to crush us, doesn't really talk about this year, but that's fine. I get it. He's doing the same thing I do when I go through all the other games. You're kind of just cliff notes going through stuff. And when I've tried this on YouTube, man, I get eviscerated because there's always like one or two things you miss, but it's like the biggest thing in the world to that franchise. And it's like, all right, I'm sorry. I forgot you drafted a tackle. My bad, whatever. But he's missing stuff. He's missing the fact that Jair is coming back, right? Second year from Stokes. Second year for everybody in the system, but second year overall for Stokes. Quay, Reed, Wyatt. But th- this is why, and I, listen, I'm not going to promise you the Packers win. We, we got to go through that, that thing again, where if the Vikings win, I don't want to get all the ma- Oh, I thought Dirk there. Guess he was right to underestimate the Packers. Okay. Yeah, they're going to lose games this year. I can acknowledge that's going to happen. If they win 13 games, guess what? Breaking news, they're going to lose four, just like they did last year when they got eviscerated week one. That's not the point. The point is, this is the overall view of the teams, and this view carries through the season. He said nine wins for the Packers. Based on what, I'm not entirely sure, because again, he didn't really acknowledge any reason. He didn't even mention Devontae left. He just said we have a terrible defense, and he thinks our offense is going to get a lot worse. Devontae's probably implied, but this is it, man. And again, the, the frustrating, the most frustrating thing is I can't sit here and say we're going to prove him wrong, because we won't. I mean, we, went, we might quote-unquote prove them wrong, but they won't change their opinion. They're so unbelievably blinded by their view of this team. And that is Rodgers is dragging around dead weight. Terrible defense, terrible wide receivers, terrible tight ends, mediocre offensive line, decent to sub, you know, sort of high-quality-ish running backs. At least the one guy, Aaron Jones, is real good. A.J. Dillon is mostly just a, you know, two-yard thumper. People don't know. They just say stuff. I want to play you something else. And again, this isn't even necessarily an unfair take. It's just not entirely accurate. And so this this all leads into somewhat of an unclear or an underappreciative bias. For example, and, and by the way, just prior to this, this is a PFF uh, podcast or whatever. Um, I forget who these guys are, but the guy on my left from this video just talked about the Minnesota Vikings, and his point was, if you look at the two pass rushers based on what they did in 2019, where they were like the two best pass rushers in all of football, if they get even a little bit of that again, then this defense is, is elite, right? So that's looking at an unlikely scenario and taking the unlikely but the positive side, right? That was a one-off year for both of those guys, but we're going to pretend that that one-off thing happens again, and this is, it's possible, yeah, and then this defense is, holy cow, this is a, a, a pretty dominant defense. I don't really care 
I mean, I do care about the rest, but that's still going to be a scary defense if you have the number one and number two pass rushers in all of football. I don't know if that's ever happened before. I'm sure it has at some point, but that's crazy. But the point is, that's the view of the Vikings. Like, let's let's look at the scenario, come up with something unlikely, but in the massively positive side, and then let's talk about the Packers. And here's what we have to question about the Packers. But the, the biggest story is absolutely who Aaron Rodgers is throwing to. Uh, when we saw Aaron Rodgers throwing on Thursday Night Football last year against the Arizona Cardinals, no Devontae Adams, no Alan Lazard. It was this quick-hitting, short-passing attack. It, you just didn't have that trust factor. Uh, if, if it's third and long or even in the red zone, I know I'm going to Devontae Adams. I don't care if you double him. I don't care. Um, so the pressure's on Matt LaFleur. If the pressure's on everybody in Green Bay. All right, we'll stop there. So on its face, it makes sense. No Devontae. Sounds like no Alan Lazard. The last time we saw that was against Arizona, and it looked ugly is more or less what he's saying. couple points. Number one, we won the freaking game, <laughs> okay? Not only did we win that game, they were 7-0. and This is the 7-0 and Arizona Cardinals, undefeated. At home, Green Bay going to see the undefeated Arizona Cardinals with no Devontae Adams, no Alan Lazard, and we won the game 24 to 21. It's not even, I mean, if it was 13 to 10, then okay, yeah, your defense carried you. 24 points is more than adequate. But there's a bigger problem here. It's not just that they didn't have Devontae and Lazard. That's sort of the wrong way to look at it. The question is, who do they have, or excuse me, who did they have compared to who do they have? Comparing not Devontae and not Lazard to not Devontae and not Lazard is not the right way to look at it. What you need to look at is, Jawan Winfrey, Randall Cobb, Amari Rogers, Equinemius St. Brown. Those are our four wide receivers. Jawan Winfrey, Randall Cobb, Amari Rogers, Josiah, or in Equinemius St. Brown. Jawan Winfrey was our most targeted receiver. So our number one wide receiver goes from Jawan Winfrey to Sammy Watkins. Number two receiver, I suppose, stays Randall Cobb, I guess. We'll just say Randall Cobb stays Randall Cobb. But more than likely, Amari Rogers becomes Romeo Dobbs, and Equinemius St. Brown becomes Christian Watson. No offense to Amari and Equinemius, but that's an upgrade. And Sammy Watkins is an upgrade over Jawan. We have better wide receivers in this game than what we had in that game. On top of that, our number one receiver was actually Aaron Jones, who's still in this game. 11 targets, 7 receptions, 51 yards. By the way, there was no MVS in that game, so he could have added that, right? We, we lost Devontae Lazard and MVS, our top three receivers, and we still won the game. And we lost those receivers again in this game. Here's something else to consider, though. He went on to talk about how the offense didn't look great, but it was also like this different style of offense, this quick hitting, this, that, or the other. couple different things. Number one, I think that had to do with the speed of the defense, right? Their, their whole thing was speed, and we kind of countered that by being more power. We have bigger running backs and bigger receivers that we're going to hit at the line of scrimmage and force you to try to tackle them. And they weren't able to do it. It was actually a pretty brilliant um, for, for a guy that said the pressure is going to be on Matt LaFleur, it was a pretty brilliant performance by Matt LaFleur. But there's an additional issue here. They didn't throw the ball deep very much. In fact, they didn't throw the ball even intermediate very much. Part of that issue has to do with the personnel. Who's, who are we sending down the field with that group that I mentioned to you? We got running backs, Jawan Winfrey, Equinemius, who is mostly used on like crossing routes and stuff behind the line of scrimmage. Amari, same thing. We don't have anybody. So 
even with the lack of ability to get down the field, we were able to do all that stuff, which we have again. Christian Watson is probably a better deep threat than we've had in a very long time, including MVS. And I get that via Aaron Rodgers himself. Romeo Dobbs, same thing. Not going to say he's necessarily a better deep threat than MVS as far as his speed down the field. I don't know. Seems to be, but it's too hard to tell. But still, the ability to get down the field is there. So there is a higher quality of wide receiver. And even if you say, well, there's less experience. Is there, though? I don't know, man. The most experienced guy on that team was what, Juwan Winfrey? I mean, you could say Randall Cobb, but he was brand new that year. So kind of Randall Cobb, kind of Juwan Winfrey. Amari didn't know Jack. Equinemius doesn't know anything. I mean, he's been hanging around for a while, but he doesn't have any NFL playing experience. There wasn't a lot of experience in that game either. So, listen, I'm not saying it's a great group. I'm not saying I'm super comfortable with it and they're going to be these dominant group of receivers. But it's just, again, it's another way of, when we look at the Vikings, let's look at Daniil Hunter and Zadarius Smith and go to the far end of the positive spectrum and say, what if they're the best two pass rushers in all of football? Then we look at the Packers and say, this is just like Arizona. No, it's not. And the thing is, you're in fantasy land about the Vikings in a positive sense, and you're just flat out wrong about the Packers in a negative sense. And again, I'm not, I'm not just trying to pile on everybody and, and, and sit you, but it's, it's somewhat correct, but everybody's just slightly incorrect in a negative sense about the Packers and in a positive sense about the Vikings. That's what annoys me. It's not that you get a couple things wrong here and there. It's that we've listened to two people, and it's the Packers are going to completely fall off, Packers don't have anybody. Vikings have elite offensive weapons and maybe an elite defense, which, you know, we're, we're stitching the two videos together, but that's what we've heard so far. Oh, it's just, it's just insane. And even later on, I mean, he goes on to say that Matt LaFleur has done a great job from a psychological level because Rodgers is playing at maybe his highest level ever. Even, maybe, maybe I'm just taking it too far, but even the way he's saying it sounds like, yeah, but there's always a yeah, but you can just hear in their tone. And then he drops the yeah, but, and the yeah, but is, when does the frustration eventually hit? You know, third and seven, and Dobbs drops the pass. You can just feel the sense of, like, this is about to explode. This is about to implode. It's about to implode, which we've been hearing for years, and it's just, we're doing it all over again. And again, here's just sort of the, the summary, which, again, I don't necessarily even agree with, but you can have a positive spin, a negative spin, or an analytical take, but this is just the direction he's choosing to go with it. Yeah, I mean, the other thing is, you know, Alan Lazard, uh, somebody stood on his foot or something in practice. He missed practice. He might not be 100%. It, it really might be, like, if Romeo Dobbs isn't good week one, <laughs> there's just nobody to throw to. Like, he's absolutely bereft of options. And you're right, it, it is, Romeo Dobbs looks good, but... Stop. If Romeo Dobbs isn't good, he has no options. Um... No, <laughs> that's first of all, that's not true. Uh, if, you, if you're talking about like a replacement for Devante, you're still leaving out the possibility of Sammy Watkins and Christian Watson. So that's in, inaccurate factually. But if you're just talking about being able to move the ball, yeah, we, we've got Dobbs who is going to be able to contribute. You've got Watson, you've got Watkins, you've got Cobb, you've got Amari, you've got Aaron Jones, you've got A.J. Dillon. There's a lot of options to move the ball, including Robert Tunyon, by the way. So, and, and again, it's just this sarcastic, like, chuckling, as if as if we're the frickin' basement of the division-type team. Like, <laughs> there's just, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Lazard got hurt, and, I mean, if Dobbs isn't, like, some kind of a great player, they're done. There's nothing. 
This is just this is just what it is. Number one team in the NFC last year, and they get treated like usual as maybe possibly the best team in, the, in their own division, but probably not. And yeah, a lot of this has to do with the obsession at wide receiver, but but it's 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 more than that. Again, they just got done praising the pass rushers in Minnesota. They talk about our pass. No, they talk about our wide receivers. And then go on to proceed to talk about how they're worse than they actually are and, and not even list out the, the actual options that Rodgers has to work with. And, and here's, th- this would just be sort of a disagreement. I'm not going to play their whole diatribe about it, but um, their conclusion was when he doesn't have receivers to go to, that's when you get sort of a week one last year. That's not true. It's when the pass rush starts to ramp up. I'm much more concerned about Zadarius and Daniil and whatever they got cooking from the linebackers or the interior or anybody else that's going to be bringing pressure on Rodgers. That's what's concerning me. And, and the concern at our, of our offensive line, which has not looked super great to this point, that concerns me. Again, we beat the Arizona Cardinals. It's not about the weapons. It's about Rodgers being comfortable in the pocket. If he has time to throw, he's going to find the open guy. He's going to throw it to him, and that guy's going to catch it. I'm sorry that it's, it's, it's not more complicated than that. The, the, again, the obsession with these elite wide receivers, and, and if you don't have them, you can't win. It's just not true. It's absolutely untrue. It helps because it helps to have a good receiver because they're going to get open more often than not. But if Rodgers has time in the pocket, Matt LaFleur will find a way to get somebody open. Aaron Rodgers will look at that person, throw an accurate ball, and that person will catch it. So, yeah, I've got concerns, and, and, and it's, it's the Packers' offensive line and rust in general. And I mean, there's levels of concern for each and every one of these things, but my level of concern, if, if you could tell me to pick, the wide receivers are way better than everybody thought, or the offensive line is just dominant. I'm taking the offensive line, because we will win the game if the offensive line dominates, period. I'm not positive we win the game if the wide receivers look real good. We've lost games with Devontae looking real good. Doesn't matter. If Rodgers is on his back, he can't throw the ball. If Rodgers is getting scared and he's throwing up Hail Marys, and I mean, you know, I don't mean actual Hail Marys. I'm talking about like throwing up a prayer, which is where the name initially came from. Then we lose. I can't promise you a victory if the receivers look good. I can more or less promise you a victory if Aaron Rodgers looks good, and he's not going to look good with a lot of pressure. I can absolutely guarantee you a victory if the offensive line looks good. Why? Because if the offensive line looks good, number one, I know Aaron Rodgers is going to be comfortable in the pocket, and he's going to be fine. Number two, we're also going to have a run game. That's the most important piece of this. Our offensive line needs to beat their defensive line, period. If they can't do it, I'm scared. If they can, we win. But we can't have that in there. Nobody wants to talk offensive line. They want to talk about wide receivers. And, and, and I also like to point out, again, the complete level of disrespect, which Packer fans at, at large don't care about, but the complete lack of respect for Sammy Watkins, who's been in the league, like, what, seven years now? Played for multiple different teams, had many high-quality games, including helping the Chiefs win a Super Bowl, like, five seconds ago. Incredibly productive receiver for the Baltimore Ravens. Aaron Rodgers has already praised him to the hilt about how great he's been in practice and... and uh, being up to speed and everything else that he's doing well. But immediately, what are we talking about? If Dobbs doesn't play well, the Packers are sunk. That's just crazy to me. That's silliness. We're going to do it. This wasn't necessarily my intention, but this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to get fired up today. We're going to get angry at the haters. This is uh, NFL game day. Rachel Bonetta or whatever, she uh, did a really stupid skit. She picked the Packers to win. Nice. Greg Rosenthal is taking the Vikings. I don't mind that at all. I don't. But again, 
explain it to me in a way that doesn't make me want to just launch my chair through my computer screen. Okay, here we go. With Rodgers that ended with him talking and, and the other person hanging up. I think that happens a lot. <laughs> Losing to the Vikings happens a lot too. Lo pause, pause. Losing to the Vikings happens a lot too. Again, I keep hearing this. I don't know where this rumor got started. I keep hearing it. The Packers struggle to beat the Vikings, right? That's that's this weird narrative. They are four and two since Matt LaFleur got here, which is the time span that we care about. This is this version of the Green Bay Packers. It's the Matt LaFleur, Aaron Rodgers era Green Bay Packers. Four and two. Continue, genius. Losing in week one happens a lot. The Packers didn't show up ready for last season, and I don't... Okay. Um, losing in week one happens a lot, too. No, it doesn't. We went over this, I think, yesterday. No, it doesn't. It's happened once in, like, the last five years. The Packers do not typically lose week one. It did happen last year, but that's very rare. You know who does very often struggle to start the season? The Minnesota Vikings. Continue, Mr. Greg Rosenthal. I don't think they'll be ready for these Vikings wide receivers in this. They will not be. Um. Oh, okay. Not going to be ready for these wide receivers. The same wide receivers uh, we've seen the last several years. Then Patrick Claiborne echoes a similar sentiment, says it's going to be a great wide, uh, great offense. However, Jair happens to be a good corner, and I think that's probably a good thing or a good matchup for Justin Jefferson. Well, gee, that was easy, wasn't it? And, and, and here's, here's the thing. I don't know what's going to happen between those two. It is a great matchup, no question. And if Justin has a great day, kudos to him. If Jair has a great day, kudos to him. I'm, I'm guessing if they play 10 times together, there's going to be a lot of games where Justin Jefferson carves him up and a lot of games where Jair shuts him down. That's going to happen. But, but let me ask you an honest question. If they were playing the Rams... Do you think that Justin Jefferson would be given as much credit because Jalen Ramsey's on the other side? Maybe after week one of what happened, possibly. But let's say it was the week one matchup. They would be saying, yeah, Justin's good, but Jalen is the best corner in football. You got but the... I'm just saying. Patrick over here is giving Jair the credit. I'm saying most will not. In fact, Greg Rosenthal never even mentioned it. Actually, you know what? He did mention his name, kind of. He said this is a good-looking Packers secondary, but it's a, a producing Vikings wide receiver. In other words, yeah, on paper, the Packers look nice, but uh, the, the Vikings receivers actually do stuff. Okay, Jair wasn't in the league last year, idiot. And in fact, you know what? I'm going to let Cynthia Freeland drive home this point for us, all right? Because we got a couple allies here. Let's let Cynthia Freeland drive home the point that we... Don't have this terrible defense, as the first guy said. It was it was horrible last year and is going to continue to get worse and, and wasn't even, I don't think, mentioned by PFF uh, or Greg Rosenthal, for that matter. Let's let uh, Cynthia comment on this situation. You talked about Jair Alexander. I want to reinforce that point. This defense is a very, very good defense. In fact, when I look to see by Winshare, who is the best defense on paper, they rank number Two, at least before games mm. are played. Number one is the Bills when they're fully healthy with Tredavious White back. Number two, because of Jair Alexander being healthy and what's potential for them to have a very nice, this is a division that is very achievable, let's put it that way. Mm. This is the second most valuable defense, and that man right there is a big reason why. Oh, Larry. Man, I'm telling you, I, I hate to promote uh, anything NFL does because they put out a bad product, but 
listening to her talk about that and then watching the video they had queued up, I'm going to go ahead and encourage you go to game day view week one at about 21 and a half minutes in. Whew. I got chills, man. Holy cow. That was just, it's, I mean, it's just, it's just Jair in slow motion, but still, still, we got the game coming up, seeing Jair, listening to her say second most valuable defense right behind the Bills. What did we just watch the Bills do? Dude, I'm freaking out a little bit, but that's all right. We're going to continue on. I'm kind of, I'll be all right. Tell you what, why don't we, why don't we can keep this train rolling here? Um, this is commentary via CBS Sports HQ, similar Thought process, whoever this guy is, I apologize for not knowing your name, but uh, great. Po- oh, it's Brady Quinn. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know these people, man. I want to talk about the defense for the Green Bay Packers. This may be the best defense that they've had in quite some time, yep. probably since they won the last Super Bowl. Oh. Uh, that's how much I think about the Green Bay Packers defense. Yeah. I think they're going to load the box and stop the That's how much I think about them, too. Run. Everything in that Kevin O'Connell stemming back to the Shanahan system all really is, is, is provided off the outside zone running scheme, right? The play action, the boots, everything off mm. of that. They're going to stop Dalvin Cook, and then it's Jared Alexander matching up with Justin Jefferson to shut him down on the outside. But that's going to be a matchup that I'm I'm looking forward to watching. One and a half points here. It's close uh, for the Packers been on the road. I'll lay the one and a half. I do think the Packers get this win outright, Mm. but I do think it's going to be a a high-scoring game. I really like the over in this matchup, Pete. Good enough for me. Good enough for me, Pete. Just just talk to me about the defense, man. Just (laughs) don't stop. I don't know what they're going to do in the season. I don't know how it's going to go. But today, today it's still the offseason, and I can pretend it's whatever it is that I want it to be. I get to look at that Buffalo Bills team and go, that's pretty much, uh, that's pretty much what we're going to do, just so you know. Dude, can you... Mm. See, there, there's that little voice in my head that tries to protect me from disappointment that says, don't get too hyped up because you come in with super high expectations, the run game, the offensive line, and man, this is going to be the number one defense, the best defense you've seen from the Green Bay Packers probably since 1996 or 7 or something. I don't know when they fell off. And then you come in and you watch the Vikings march down the field and win the game by 14, and you're ready to just quit. But that sucks. That sucks. Because I'm having a real good time listening to people talk about it and, and, and envisioning it and denying myself the excitement that I should be having right now. The excitement I should be having about this elite defense. Yeah, it's just on paper right now, but that paper is going to take the field very soon. And that paper includes one of the best pass rushers in football, paired with one of the best cornerbacks in football, paired with one of the best safeties in football, paired with maybe the best linebacker duo in football. I know it's not exactly how pairs work, but just listen to me when I'm telling you. One of the better defensive lines in football, and I'm even lower on the Packers' defensive line than most Packer fans, but we went through it together. Very few teams have even adequate defensive lines. There is a lack of them. A pass rush is coming, man. And I'll tell you what, the Vikings, I think, are going to do some damage. I think they're going to do some damage this season. But this might be their toughest matchup. This might be the toughest defense they see all year. Yeah, the Bills are on the schedule. Saints are on the schedule. But I'll tell you right now, If this isn't their toughest matchup, it's one of them. So unless that offense is going to cut through every single team this year with minimal effort, if they're ever going to struggle, let's put it that way, if the Vikings are ever going to struggle, expect the Packers to be one of those teams that they struggle against. By the way, going back to stupid Greg Rosenthal for a minute, saying that the Packers are unprepared for week one. Guess who also didn't play their starters? It's the Minnesota Vikings. People don't do research. They just have bias. Is Greg Rosenthal a Vikings fan? Again, I know nothing about these guys. Let's see what we can learn about the young man. 
I tell you what, there's not a lot of information online. Here, here's a, something I found. Greg Rosenthal is a sports analyst from the United States who was born and raised in the country. Wow, okay. Thank you. So he's an American. We got that. I see who his wife is, but I don't know. I don't, I don't you know. I can see who his parents are, but nothing. He's born in Pennsylvania. Thank you, Wikipedia. I literally typed in Greg Rosenthal Wikipedia, and Wikipedia was like the seventh option. So I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. Anyways, um, why don't we take a break and we'll have some more fun. I, I, we may not get to the other games. I don't know. We'll see how it goes because I'm, I'm enjoying this. Hopefully, at the very least, we'll get a little bit of uh, Bears and Lions slander. But again, just playing it by ear, man. We're having some fun. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy is where you can support this here podcast directly. Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry is the uh, charity we will be supporting. If you'd like to support the work that they are doing, you can find links uh, pinned to the top of my Twitter, as well as the top of the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. Also, please do not forget about pristineauction.com. They decided to work with us uh, once again, simply because you guys are awesome. And basically, they just saw all the Packernet listeners come in, and they're like, all right, yeah, they're pretty legit. Let's uh, re-up with them. This time, they're giving away a signed football championship trophy. It is a replica Lombardi trophy signed by Jordy Nelson. There is no reason why, unless you're listening to this like 30 seconds before kickoff, and then I completely understand not doing it. But other than that, there is no reason why. By the way, you started way too late. We got a second half to do here. Shame on you. There's no reason why you shouldn't stop right now. Go to pristineauction.com, P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E-A-U-C-T-I-O-N dot C-O-M. Click on the register button. Put FARV in the registration code, F-A-V-R-E, for those that don't know. And that's it. You're done. You're all set up. Your name is officially entered to win a replica Lombardi trophy signed by Jordy Nelson, which is one of the coolest things I can imagine having in sort of a man cave kind of a deal. In addition, you're getting 10 bucks off the next uh, time you bid on something and win. So win, 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 win. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, I would go with the under. I didn't make it a pick, but I would lean to the under because of that defense you talked about. I mean, I think the Packers defense has a chance to be special this special. year. I mean, they're loaded across the board. The, the secondary, <laughs> if it stays on the field, is probably the best secondary in the NFL. Mm. And, and that's saying something. And yeah. look, I know the Vikings are going to be better. In fact, I think they're going to be in the yeah, playoffs. I, I think they're they're going to score points, yeah, a lot of points. They're going to score. But not against the Packers. No. And here's the other. You see that number. Here's the 13 thing. and nothing. 13. T- 13 to nothing. Touchdowns to interceptions for Aaron. Rogers. Mr. Rogers. He's going to light him up again. Yeah. I know these receivers aren't the same. Light him up. I think he's going to have success again here. So I'm going to take the Packers yeah. minus the points. And as far as the quarterback scales, hey. I've already said Kirk Cousins is going to have a monster year throwing the football. He's going to put up yeah. big numbers. Big numbers. The difference is one of those two guys can get it done when he needs to get it done. Yeah, Woo. Pete, you predicted. Talking trash. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure what that means, but um, it feels good, man. It's not all hate. It's not all hate. Some people see it. Some people see it. And again, it all just comes down. It comes down to a couple different factors. There's there's the the team bias. Some people are Vikings fans, Bears fans, Lions fans. They don't like the Packers. That's understandable. I get that. Some people don't do their homework, and so they they can't see it because they literally don't see it because they haven't looked at it. And then there's just a flawed view of how things work. But there's a few people who have don't have anti-Packers bias who have done their homework and can see as clearly as I see my Packers totem pole right now, which is fairly clear because it is arm's length away. So there. The cool thing is Pete Prisco, uh, who was the second guy that talked there after Brady Quinn, um, I'm not going to play it, but they talked about how they think Pete Prisco, or Pete Prisco, uh, Pete Prisco thinks 
Kirk Cousins leads the NFL in passing touchdowns. So that that that's the that's the other part of this. I don't have a problem acknowledging I think the Vikings are going to be good. I think their offense is going to be good. I already think they are. I've been saying for years I'm scared of the Vikings, especially their offense, and I'm scared of Kirk Cousins, and I'm scared of Justin Jefferson. I've, if, you, if you listen to my podcast, I talk more about Justin Jefferson positively than I talk about Justin Fields negatively, at least recently. I can be unbiased. It just is what it is. It's about seeing reality for what it is. I don't have any issue with that. But what Pete's saying is, despite the quarterback and the wide receivers and the running back and the tight end and whatever facets of that offense you happen to like, despite my belief that they're going to be a very good offense, not this week, not against the Packers. Defense is too good. Anyways, if you're looking for more negative motivation, here's everybody's favorite guy. He's, he's not my least favorite, but I know he's one of the most hated. Um, and he definitely says some stuff that gets under my skin. He's 50-50. Half the time he says stuff, I'm like, that actually makes a lot of sense. Um, I think he's one of the more well-researched amongst the um, clickbaity types. But um, anyways, here's Colin Coward talking about the matchup. Okay, here's my favorite pick, week one. Minnesota at home getting points against Green Bay. So here's why I like it. First of all, I think the Vikings will be the most improved team in the league. Kirk Cousins has a new contract. He's in a good mood. Kirk Cousins got a one-year contract because the Vikings couldn't get out of it. That's the whole point. They're stuck in this cycle with Kirk Cousins. So I don't know what you're talking about. He got a new contract and is in a good mood. Kirk Cousins, like every player, wants long-term contracts. They want security. It's the whole reason Aaron Rodgers got upset. It's because he, he it's not about, quote-unquote, the money. It's about, you need to offer me a contract that says we can't get out of this. Because that says to me, you don't want to get out of it. You want me here. The security is a big part of it. Money's fantastic, too, obviously. A one-year contract says exactly the opposite. It says, we're stuck. We don't have a plan right now. We're brand new here. We'll figure out how to replace you at some point. We can't right now, so we're going to lock you up. But it is a one-year contract. Again, give me reasons, but don't give me stupid reasons. He got the exact same contract last year. It was a one-year fully guaranteed contract. This year, it's a one-year fully guaranteed contract. What are you talking about? He also has the taller Sean McVay coach. I don't know what that means. The league is changing. Defensive coaches who are legends. Pete Carroll in trouble. Tomlin hasn't won a big playoff game in a decade. Bill Belichick feels mediocre. Zimmer fired. Fangio fired. Flores fired. Rivera getting heat. There is one ascending defensive coach in the league. Sean McDermott. And that's mostly because of Josh Allen. I could argue at this point, but I, I'd rather not. I mean, I could bring up Brandon Staley, obviously. Even John Harbaugh, although that's somewhat inaccurate. He was, if you had to pick offense or defense, you would probably lean defense, although he's a special teams guy. There's also Dennis Allen in, in New Orleans. But I'll say that this is mostly correct and just point out that the Bears just hired a defensive head coach. That's all, that's all I wanted to say. The league has changed. Offensive coaches win. That's, they have a relationship with the quarterbacks. Brady couldn't get along with Belichick at the end. Tua couldn't get along with Flores. Zimmer couldn't get along with Cousins. Pete couldn't get along with Russell Wilson. Vic Fangio couldn't get along with any of his quarterbacks. It works. Kirk's got money. He's got... This is... this is uh, Again, the, these guys get paid a lot of money to speak with conviction, but I don't understand the point of this. Getting along with your head coach has to do with whether they're offensive or defensively minded? I don't understand that. When Aaron Rodgers had issues with Mike McCarthy, what was what was the reason? Like if they if they weren't getting along, or 
you know, I'm, I'm curious where Colin Coward was on the position of Matt LaFleur coming in for Aaron Rodgers, because I don't know what Colin said, but I do recall a lot of issues, uh, people discussing it's going to be a disaster because Aaron Rodgers is a drama queen and they're not really going to get along. But I don't understand that because he's an offensive guy. And I thought quarterbacks always got along with offensive coordinator coaches or something. Got security. He's got an offensive coach. We both like their weapons. They have nice players all over the offense. Same players, but yeah. Green Bay could be good, but they're Minnesota might be good. There's no proof. Green Bay could be good again for the fourth year in a row. That Aaron Rodgers in week one is going to trust a rookie college receiver from an FCF school or Alan Lazard being his one. Or Lazard isn't playing. Um, you're talking about Christian Watson. You didn't mention Romeo Dobbs. And you also forgot our number one wide receiver in this game. You didn't mention or Randall Cobb, who's one of his closest friends. You didn't mention or Robert Tunyon, who has a great relationship with at his back or any of the running backs. But um, yeah, we could just highlight uh, Christian Watson and make a big joke about it because he's a rookie, which, by the way, all the complaining, dude, you know what? All this talk, all this talk about not getting him rookie wide receivers. He needs rookie wide receivers. You need to go get him wide receivers. Go get, now we get him wide receivers and it's, <laughs> what are you going to throw to a rookie? <laughs> Sammy Watkins being dependable on a flag route. What's, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with Sammy Watkins? I thought the issue was he's injured all the time. Now suddenly he doesn't know how to play wide receiver because I can prove it to you that that's not correct, but okay, go on. That may develop, but Aaron has trust issues with his own family. We saw. By the way, he's talking about an entirely new situation in Minnesota as the reason they're going to be great, and an entirely new situation in Green Bay is why they're going to be bad. Fair enough, I guess. Not in the playoff game with teammates for years. Minnesota early... They're bringing a new offense. Green Bay is going to be... No, it's, it's a new offensive coordinator, same offense. Guessing? We know what Green Bay is going to... Uh, you're going to be guessing? Hold on, finish the sentence, idiot. ...to do, and Minnesota... You know what Green Bay is going to do. How do you know what Green Bay is going to do? I thought all of his guys were gone. It's a brand new pile of guys. How do you know what they're going to do? How do you know? We're going to be guessing what Minnesota is going to do, but we know what Green Bay is... How do you know what Green Bay is going to do? Devontae's gone. Lazard is gone. MVS is gone. How do you know what they're going to do? Genius. We got tape on what they do. Lo tape on what? Who's going to do? Christian Watson? <laughs> you just said Christian Watson five seconds ago. You just said that he's going to be thrown to Christian Watson. It's going to be a disaster. But now suddenly we have a bunch of tape on what the Packers are going to do. How? Are you talking about scheme? Like we don't have tape on 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 uh, the, the Vikings coach's scheme, which is the exact same scheme that Matt LaFleur runs. What, he doesn't understand how that concept works? He was he was that guy. Matt LaFleur was Kevin O'Connell long before Kevin O'Connell was Kevin O'Connell. Best case scenario, Kevin O'Connell is Matt LaFleur light. Kevin O'Connell aspires to be Matt LaFleur. You think Matt LaFleur doesn't know the Kevin O'Connell system? Are you kidding me? By the way, I'm also getting tired of, of everybody trying to play two sides of this. You can't say they're new, but they're the same team that beat the Packers. They're either new or they're the same. You got to pick one. If they're new and improved, then they're different. And with different comes a necessary fear of regression. Different can mean worse as much as it can mean better. There's also a matchup problem that I've already discussed when we're talking about the Rams. The Packers do very well against the Rams. I wonder why. Probably has something to do with Matt LaFleur's familiarity with what it is they do there.
even if the Vikings improve, it's in, it's entirely. Let me put it this way: the Rams are better than the Vikings. I would trust the Packers to beat last year's version of the Rams sooner than I would trust their ability to beat last year's version of the Vikings. Because it's not just about better, it's about matchup. And I think the Packers matched up better against the Rams and what they do and the Vikings and what they do. It's a completely different style of team offensively and defensively. And now you're trying to replicate the Packers. You're trying to get guys that have never done what the Packers do to do what the Packers do. I'm sorry, the Packers are better at being than the Packers than the Vikings are better at, than the Vikings are at being the Packers. And we're going to find that out very soon here today. The Vikings are pretending to be the Packers. Kevin O'Connell is pretending to be Matt LaFleur. The Vikings offensive line is going to pretend to be able to run what the Packers run. They're learning. And yeah, maybe eventually they'll get there. But week one, they're not going to be a better version of the Packers than the Packers are. You got to pick one. Are they new and improved? Or are they the same team that has the quote-unquote Packers number, apparently? You don't get to do both. Well, their defense has done a good job against the... What defense? Zimmer's defense? That's gone now? Yeah, no question. Aaron Rodgers has high regard for Zimmer and for a reason. Zimmer's a goofball. Zimmer's a wacko. Zimmer has some issues. He has serious pride issues. He, he attacked his own team. Uh, offensively, he was really weird in terms of demanding that things go the way that he wants them to go, which I guess you're the head coach. You kind of get to decide. But usually as a defensive guy, you defer to your offensive coordinators. You don't demand that your offensive coordinators who are doing kind of a good job change to doing what you want them to do. But as a defensive mind, Zimmer was a brilliant person, and his defense has caused a lot of problems, including for the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers, which is why Aaron Rodgers has so much respect for him. That is all gone now. Those double A-gap blitzes that are extremely problematic, that's not what the Packers do. So why do we think that's what the Vikings are going to do? It's a different defense now. It could mean better. It could mean worse. I don't know. But it's not the same team anymore. So whatever they've done in the past doesn't mean anything. So you don't get to use that anymore. Anyways, I think I'm going to make this the last one, at least as far as the Packers. And then we've got, what, 10 minutes to talk about everybody else. But I think this is, it's a negative take on the Packers, but it's a very honest take. And uh, I don't even know, Dan, it says, Dan, Dan who? Dan Hansis? I don't even know any Dans. I don't think so. Anyways, it's a very honest take. And I think maybe it gives a little bit of insight into what everybody's going through but won't admit. And that is essentially bias. <laughs> well, that's the thing. And uh, around the end of our podcast, I had the Packers on tugboat timeout this summer. Tugboat timeout. I just didn't want to talk about them because they annoyed me. Just, like, you know, Packers fans, I can't imagine how you guys felt about it because after going through all they went through the la last year, you get Aaron Rodgers delivers a second MVP award in a row, and then you let the Niners come into your house and block Ugh. a punt for a touchdown and make your offense look stiff. And it's just, it was unbelievable what happened in the playoffs. So, yeah, there's part of me now where I, it's, I'm struggling at least in September to shake that the Packers, are they ever going to get over the hump? Mm -hmm. So I won't play it, but he goes on to say, with that said, all the pieces are still there. So he, he laid out exactly what I've been saying about everyone and everything regarding the Packers. It's not about talent. It's about, number one, the, what did he open this up with? I'm tired of talking about them. They annoy me, he said. Literally said he, he's annoyed by the Packers. And I just, isn't that the sense you get? When people bring up the Packers, there's just, and, unless they're Packer fans, and there are Packer fans in the media, and they're homers, and I, I dig that. But for everybody that isn't a Packer fan, you just get the sense of, even when the Packers come up, there's just sort of like eye roll, this sort of, 
Oh, Packers. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's stupid. And and there's probably different reasons. He's saying it's because they don't win in the playoffs, and so I just can't shake that. I don't know exactly what that means. I guess there's a sense of feeling like they're overrated, which is weird because the Bills are seen as the number one team in football. Didn't they lose in the playoffs? Haven't they consistently lost in the play? Haven't they not won a Super Bowl yet? How is that not happening to them? So again, every single thing you can look at is like, a, well, maybe this is kind of it, but it also applies to other teams that you don't see this for. And I'm sure the anti-Aaron Rodgers thing is part of it. But again, th- th- this started prior to COVID. So I think that's just an element. Losing in the playoffs is an element. Being obsessed with wide receivers is an element. And all these things come together for non-Packers media people and non-Packers fans in general looking at the Packers and just going, Ugh, they're not that good, they're overrated. And if you look at the data, that's not true, but nobody wants to look at the data. They're just talking about football. And so when somebody brings up the Packers, it's like nails on a chalkboard to them these days. Oh, the Packers, who cares about the stupid Packers? I'm tired of talking about the Packers. I want to talk about teams that are actually going to win the Super Bowl. And maybe that is part of it. They want to talk about the powerhouses. And it doesn't matter how good the Packers are. If they don't think you're going to win the Super Bowl, you're not a powerhouse. I don't know where the love for the Bills comes from. I guess it's because they haven't been missing the playoffs since 2011 because they haven't been good since 2011, so they get a reprieve or something. I don't know how that works. So again, the, the point is, this isn't going to get fixed. There's no, we showed them. There might be a couple on the fencers that'll come around, but there is no showing anybody anything. For for half these guys, they just hate the Packers outright. Doesn't matter what they do. For the other half, it's win a Super Bowl or I don't care. Talk to me when you win a Super Bowl kind of thing. At which point, because if you think about it, you know, you talk about the the love for the Packers all those years. I mean, the, the, if you go back to the beginning of Rodgers' career, he was the new, young, hot quarterback, not attractiveness. I mean, you know, he was the Pat Mahomes. He was the Josh Allen. So, of course, there was the gushing. And then he won a Super Bowl. So there was a continued level of gushing, just like what you're seeing kind of like with Pat Mahomes now, where he he's, that, he's still that dominant quarterback. They just won a Super Bowl. They're probably going back. And then after another two to three years of the Chiefs not winning a Super Bowl, he's probably going to go through what Rodgers is going But that's kind of the, the stage now. Like, we've seen it. We're over it. Yeah, you're good, but for whatever reason, you can't get it done anymore, so we're, we're over it. That's not exactly how it works, but that's just how they view it, I think. I don't know. But I appreciate the honesty from Dan here, whoever Dan is. Anyways, let's kick it over to, um, we got Patreon, and we've also got my Twitter. I went on Twitter, and we kind of looked at, uh, had people vote on who they thought would win and whatnot. So here's what we're going to do. We'll do rapid fire through the other games, and then we're going to end with the folks on Patreon's predictions for best offensive and defensive players of this game. We'll end on Packers, you know. Let's start with the week one hot takes. Edward Stevens says Brady takes seven sacks in a loss. Tua throws four picks. Hurts tosses three. Runs for another. Oh, three touchdowns, you mean? I was like, how do you run for a pick? Seven sacks for Brady, huh? You know, I hate to break people's hearts, but even with the losses along the offensive line, they still got a pretty good offensive line. Uh, Donovan Smith is a real solid left tackle. Tristan Wirfs is one of the best tackles in football. Um, of course, they brought over Shaq Mason from the Patriots to play right guard. That dude is phenomenal. They've got rookie left guard Luke Gadecki, so we'll see how that pans out. And then um, a third-round second-year player in Robert Hainsey, which you would think is probably the weakest spot on the line. Maybe it is. But as a rookie third-round player, he had a 65 overall grade, which is perfectly fine, and a nearly 80 pass-blocking grade. So Brady still has probably one of the best offensive lines in football, even with one of his guys retiring and I think like two injuries. They're still completely fine, even if um, 
let's say Luka Decky is just complete trash, they have one bad offensive lineman. That's it. So, you know, we'll see how it goes, but I think Brady for the every year of his career is going to have a great offensive line. Tua throwing four picks. You know, I never really was a big Tua fan until this year. Suddenly, I mean, I was very like anti-Miami, anti-Tua, but something about this year, I'm on the opposite side of the spectrum a little bit. Um, He's never thrown more than two interceptions, so I doubt it, but it's possible. Who knows? And then you said Jalen Hurts tosses three and runs for another. Um, Hurts threw three touchdowns in week one last year, did not do it, didn't do it another time. If I had to go with one of your hot takes, it'd be that one, though. Quentin says, Trey Lance is going to torch the Bears. Did I say Lance? Trey Lance is going to torch the Bears for 250 yards and three touchdowns, and the talking heads go berserk. I tell you what, the uh, the media at large would love nothing more than a shootout between Justin Fields and Trey Lance. Man, would they have a field day with that. Um, it's, I guess, possible. You know, it's funny, when I was looking at um, some betting for the game, they were doing some over-under stuff, and um, I looked at Trey Lance, and his number was so low. I'm like, oh, I'm definitely going over. And then I looked at his yards and uh, changed my mind. He, had, he didn't play very much, but in the three games he played, he only got over 200 yards once, and it was 249 yards. So 250 yards and three touchdowns would be the most yards and the most touchdowns he's ever gotten. However, I don't know that anybody would look at the Bears as a matchup and say, you know, in four games, that's going to be your best game. I guess that's not that surprising. Although he played Houston last year. That was his 249 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. But all right, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go with that. I could see that. Kyler Murray throws three touchdowns, two of them to Hollywood Brown, but the Chiefs win 35-28. to 28. That, that sounds exactly correct for some reason. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm probably in on all of that. Uh, I think Kyler has the potential to be a real top 10 quarterback. He did that once he learned to start throwing the football. But yeah, I could I could see all that happening. Although I would love to see them just torch the Chiefs because I don't like the Chiefs. Uh, Aaron says the Bears are going to blame the new coaching staff after their loss. I really doubt it, but eventually, not after one week. I wonder who they will blame. That's actually a fantastic question. I wish we had more time because that's a whole topic in and of itself. The Bears get annihilated. Who do they blame? They can't blame Justin Fields. They can't blame the coaching staff. They can't blame the GM because they've gone to the ends of the earth defending it. They've been telling us since forever that the offensive line is not that bad. They've been bragging about their wide receivers. They've been saying up and down that the defense is going to be a solid defense. They've got some real solid pass rushers. They love their corners. They're completely happy with their safeties. And of course, Roquan is the best linebacker in all of football. Who are they going to blame? And it's in Chicago, I think, too. Maybe that's what they'll blame, the stadium and Lori Lightfoot. (laughs) If this was in Arlington Heights, we would have crushed them. I don't know. That'll be interesting. We will find an answer to that, though, because I'm fairly confident that the 49ers, even with Trey Lance, who I have no faith in whatsoever, I would take Justin Fields over Trey Lance, and you know how I feel about Justin Fields. Still, I'm taking the 49ers. Um, Finally, Rams podcasts sound like Packer podcasts after week one of 2021. So this came out presumably before that. Well, no, it didn't. Rams podcasts sound like Packers podcasts. I don't know what that means, Roger. But all right, let's breeze through a couple of these. Saints-Falcons, why does it matter? NFC, that's about it, and I don't want the the Saints to look good. But um, Saints are about five and a half point favorites. Obviously, the Saints are expected to win. How in the world can the Falcons win? That's the more interesting question. Well, they're going to have to find a way for Marcus Mariota to be a better quarterback than Matt Ryan. Kyle Pitts is going to have to take a leap from one of the best 
tight ends in football to one of the best tight ends in all of all time, maybe. And Drake London plays and is phenomenal. Other than that, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm not super impressed with the Saints offense, but the Falcons defense is so bad. I mean, they, they actually have decent corners, but you're going up against Michael Thomas and Chris Olave and Jarvis Landry. And then you're, you have no pass rushers and your safeties are bad. So yeah, man, I, I, uh, we'll see how it goes, but I, I, this is going to be a Saints win. Steelers Bengals has almost no impact on us whatsoever, but um, Cincinnati are seven point favorites. Should not surprise anybody. I don't know why anybody believes in the Steelers. That seems to be a common theme, but um, I mean they got the pass rushers Watt and Hayward for sure. Browns have a or a, excuse me the Bengals have a much improved offensive line though. They have arguably the best quarterback in football. They have arguably the best wide receiver group in football. They have probably a top 10 running back. And so, yeah, outside of having two good pass rushers or, you know, the one good defensive tackle, one good edge rusher, the other linebacker is garbage. The rest of the interior defensive linemen are garbage. Corners are mediocre at best. Linebackers are putrid and the safeties are, believe it or not, not very good. I I went on a whole thing about Minka Fitzpatrick being overrated and not worth what they gave up for him. And I got eviscerated. Um, And then he did improve when he got there, but not by much. Let me just put it this way. He's never had an 80 overall grade. He's He was fine for two years. Um, and then last year, ranked 73rd among safeties. 45 coverage grade. The other is Terrell Edmonds, who was a guy that inexplicably was drafted in the first round. I think he was like a fourth-round prospect, and he plays like a fourth-round prospect. On the other side, the Bengals, I don't think, have that dominant of a defense. If they're going to fall off, it's probably because of their defense. However, we've seen the pass rushers, and we also know that it's Mitch Trubisky, a very subpar offensive line, and some question marks at wide receiver. So, yeah, the, the Bengals should win this game fairly easily. Don't care about New England-Miami. Um, Baltimore and the Jets. All I can say is I hope the Jets find a way to win, because I'm so sick of the Baltimore hype. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, don't get me wrong. It's, it's a good football. That defensive front as a whole, combining the pass rushers and... Uh, Defensive tackles is one of the top. Uh, Marlon Humphrey, um, solid corner, but I just do not like the Ravens' offense. Lamar is massively overrated. Kenyon Drake is their running back. They don't have any wide receivers. Um, Andrews is an elite tight end, no question, uh, but the off- and the offensive line is not what it was. They did draft Tyler Linderbaum, so we'll see how he does. Um, could be a- another bit of a boost there. But I just, if it was any other team than the Jets, I'd happily take the... the. And I got to be honest, on paper, it's not a bad matchup. I just know it's the Jets. I mean, Reed and Sauce Gardner at corner, they have better... The Jets have better corners than Baltimore has wide receivers. The Jets' pass rushers are not bad. The Jets' safeties are not bad. The Jets' offensive line is pretty solid. Wide receivers leave a little bit to be desired, but they drafted Brees Hall. I, man, it would make me so happy if the Jets won. They won't, but it just it just would, because nobody would ever see that coming in a million years. <sighs> That's my big fingers crossed of the week, not including NFC North games. Jacksonville, Washington, I don't care. Interested a little bit by what Jacksonville does, but don't care. Cleveland, Carolina is very interesting because I just absolutely expect Carolina to curb stomp Cleveland, just because. You've got a very angry, underrated quarterback going up against a team in the Browns. And, and listen, you, we could talk about on paper, the Browns are way better and, and all that stuff. But I just, I just have this feeling like the, the, the Browns' entire team is just 
they're just mentally and emotionally exhausted. They don't want to be there. The Deshaun Watson thing has completely ruined them. Now, maybe that's not, maybe they come out with all this fire because they've had so much hate for so many months. They just can't wait to go out and crush somebody. And that somebody's going to be the Panthers. Beyond that, Baker Mayfield is playing with maybe the worst wide receiver offensive line combo he's ever played with. But he's got Christian McCaffrey, so that is something. Unfortunately, it's <laughs> Miles Garrett. Dude, and these Browns, I, I bet the Browns guys are just going to crush Mayfield. I don't know. I'd, I'll tell you what, I think it's actually going to be fun. I wish I could watch it, but I don't think I can. I just want to feel the hate on both sides of the ball. Um, and again, I, I don't believe in Jacoby Brissett at all, but man, that Panthers defense is so bad. I don't know. I don't know. It'll be interesting. Again, on paper, Browns should absolutely stomp him out. I just think the Browns are so defeated and Baker is going to, he's the clear better quarterback. And I think he's just going to have fire in his stomach. Colts, Texans, I just can't care about that. Giants, Tennessee, I don't care. Kansas City, Arizona, I do care about. This is another one of those win-win situations. If the Chiefs win, then an NFC contender just went 0-1. If the Cardinals win, then the stupid Chiefs went 0-1, which is fantastic. But I actually like that hot take. I, I, I get the feeling this might be a high-scoring game. Cardinals' defense is horrific. And so even without their top weapon at wide receiver, Travis Kelsey, MVS is a deep threat. Juju, Nicole Hardman, stout offensive line. I just think they're going to crush the Arizona defense. But on the flip side, again, I'm betting on Kyler. And I also think the Chiefs' defense is a joke. Raiders, Chargers, um, it's very interesting just because you got that whole AFC West powerhouse dynamic thing. You got Devontae with the Raiders as well as a bunch of other people. It's a pretty fun situation. I mean, the Raiders' defense is still horrible. They invested a ton in the offense, they did nothing to fix this terrible defense. Crosby is a great pass rusher. Everybody else sucks massively. So you want to see another high-scoring game? If there is one, this is it. I don't know if it is, though. The Chargers might just absolutely obliterate them. Because if you're looking at it, the Chargers offensive line is phenomenal. The Raiders defensive line is terrible. Chargers wide receivers are very high quality. The Raiders corners are terrible. On the other side, again, it's either going to be high-scoring or the Chargers win. And a lot of that's going to come down to Bosa and Mack, which is the one of the craziest pass rush pairings ever. Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack. We'll see what version of Khalil Mack we get, but people are talking about the Vikings possibly having like a number one, number two pass rusher. How about the Chargers? Especially since this Raiders offensive line is terrible. Um, real bad. I, I tell you what, man, if your hope is that Devontae Adams doesn't make us look stupid by going out and crushing, I don't think they're going to. The pass rush against Carr is going to be brutal. It just really is. And, um, you know, I mean, they do have Renfro and Waller, I guess, but I still think you double up Devontae and try to eliminate him from the equation, and that's your path. So I'm I'm fairly confident that the Chargers win this game. If nothing else, the Chargers are going to score 40 points. If the Raiders can outpace that, congratulations to them. Tampa and Dallas, as I said, I know a lot of people are going to hate me for it, but I'm rooting for Dallas all day long. Um, I I just can't stand Tampa. I think they absolutely have it in them. Remember, Tampa kind of went all in like two years in a row, and they kind of got to the point this year where they couldn't bring it. Last year, they brought everybody back. This year, they can't. So they're trying. I mean, they brought in um, Akeem Hicks to try to bolster that group to keep it going, and that probably will work. He'll probably have a bounce back, even though he sucked with the Bears, but I'm hoping not. But Vita Vea in 2020 kind of had his one big breakout year in 2020. Uh, last year, he did not. So 2020 was that big, like, 2018 Bears year. That's when everybody just kind of snapped, and everybody just assumed they were dominant. Vita Vea is very good, 
but he's not like number one defensive tackle in football good anymore. He's like top 20 defensive tackle, which is still very good, but just so we're clear. Um, I think they have beatable corners. The, the problem is the Dallas Cowboys don't have much for wide receivers anymore. Between injuries and everything else, I think it's CeeDee Lamb, and that's pretty much it. Decent defense or offensive line, but not as good. So Dak is going to be under probably fairly heavy pressure. They're always a really tough team to run against. So if this is a team that thinks they're going to run it down Tampa's throat, that's probably not going to work. So Dak's going to have to stand in the pocket and throw to his one receiver. I just think their offense is going to struggle. Although Schultz is there, the tight end. That's a decent thought. But they got some good linebackers, so I don't know. And then again, Tampa behind his, uh, Brady behind his great offensive line, Tom Brady, Leonard Fournette, three good wide receivers as usual, up against a massively overrated, yeah, Tampa's going to beat him. Tampa's going to win. That sucks, but they are. Two and a half point favorites. I would take the over for Tampa on that. So the other game is technically Monday, so we won't discuss that. So the only ones left are the Bears game and the Lions game. We'll talk about the Lions first because I care less about it. We have got the Detroit Lions at home against the Philadelphia Eagles. The um, Eagles are sitting at, what, five-point favorites? You've got arguably the best running team in football against, you know, the Lions. Not only that, it's just, I, I don't know, man. I think, you know, the Lions were dead last in yards per attempt passing. They were 21st in rushing. I think they're going to get embarrassed, man. They're not going to be able to stop the rushing attack, and that's going to open up so much by way of passing. And this is the worst coverage team in football, the Detroit Lions. And if your one fix is going to be that one guy, Aiden Hutchinson, and that's a, that's, that's a guy for sure. But man, this, again, elite offensive line. Jalen Hurts, you want to know why Jalen Hurts is looking so good? Second round quarterback, how's he doing it? Nobody gets near him. And they run the ball all the time. So he can sit back and distribute the ball. And they got A.J. Brown this year. I just, man, this is probably the best situation for any quarterback You've got maybe the Bengals, but I don't know if I wouldn't say this is the team. Probably the best offensive line, best to second best to top top three wide receiver situation with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith was one of the best wide receivers in foot. I mean, you know, top 20-ish as a rookie last year. A.J. Brown ranked fifth, and it was a down year for him. He was second the year before. You want to talk about underrated? A.J. Brown is stupid underrated. As a rookie, he ranked 14th, then second, then fifth. Dallas Goddard, second highest rated tight end. So you might have two top 10 wide receivers and a top three tight end on the, a top three rushing team. How in the world does Detroit stop this? What are you going to do with Amani Aruarie as your best corner? He's going to get so, oh my God, I can't even describe to you how bad this is going to be. I know it's week one, and a lot of these things aren't going to happen as you expect, and I'm going to look stupid, but I don't care. This is bad. I mean, just on paper, this matchup is so brutal. By the way, interior, when you look at interior defensive line and linebackers, I don't know if anyone's worse than the Lions. You've got a guy like like Jason Kelsey, who's still a very good center in the league, believe it or not, at almost 35 years old. You got a guy like that, and his job is to push around, what, Michael Brockers? Isaiah Bugs? I mean, I, I just hope it's somewhat of a shootout. And if the Lions win, that's how they're going to win. At home, just pure grit and motivation. Another very good offensive line, so Goff's probably going to have time. Although, although, with Vitae getting hurt, I don't know if this is right or not, but PFF has Sewell kicking into guard, and they're putting Matt Nelson at tackle, and Matt Nelson is putrid. That could be a problem. But, um, yeah, I guess, man. I just don't see it. I mean, Equinemius, 
or not equanimity. You know who I'm talking about. St. Brown, um, Amon Ra, and TJ Hawkinson. It's just there's no way. No way. No way. I think they're going to get eviscerated by the Eagles. That's what I think. All Lions do are disappoint. <laughs> that was the, the summary of um, what I found on the YouTubes about the Lions game. All the Lions do is disappoint. She said that to the one person on the panel that picked the Lions for who knows what. Well, hard knocks is the reason. Well, there's also this. Last season, the Eagles ran all over the Lions. They outgained them on the ground by nearly 200 yards in a 44-6 win. Maybe we can leave it at that. But finally, for the games here, and we got to get back to our Patreon stuff, but we got to finish with the Bears and the 49ers because this is going to be a great game no matter what. I'm going to be sad if Justin Fields lights up the 49ers, no question. But at the end of the day, that means that Justin Fields lit up the 49ers, which is going to be hilarious. That's the worst case scenario is the 49ers get embarrassed by Justin Fields and the Bears, who many think are the worst team in football. That's the worst case scenario. Sign me all the way up. All the way to the tippity top, sign me up. I think best case scenario is at the conclusion of this game, the 49ers win, and what we realize is both of these teams suck. It's the best case scenario. Somewhere in between those two realities is what's going to happen. Another thing I think I realize, I keep telling you guys, I don't really know. I mean, I, I generally know who these guys, I don't know their personalities or their opinions on things. I think I've realized I'm not a big Kyle Brandt fan. <laughs> Guy's been bragging about the Vikings and how great the Vikings are going to be and everything about the Vikings, 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 Vikings. Now he comes out with this while talking about the Bears and the 49ers game. It's funny you say that. There's so many stars in this game, so many big names on the 49ers. I think we're going to come away from this game and say, oh my God, Roquan Smith is incredible. I think that's going to be trouble for Trey Lance. Uh, And I'll say this again. uh, Nobody picked the Bears for the playoffs. I picked them to win this game. I think this is going to be an upset for the Bears. Personally, if I were to analyze the game, it would probably sound a little bit more like this. The Bears have the worst offensive line in football they're in a complete rebuild as well because of all the bad decisions made by their gm ryan pace and i think the 49ers with bosa and armstead are going to dominate trey lance has so many good weapons around him he's got a brilliant offensive mind in kyle shanahan who will prepare him and they should run all over the chicago bears gee does that make sense doesn't it it's so so why do we got to overcomplicate stuff kyle brandt although you didn't really complicate anything you didn't really even say anything you just said Roquan Smith is going to impress people and the Bears are going to win. So I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you did more homework on the back end. I just, I don't know what in the world you're doing. One guy that I, I have been listening to just doing this little thing that I've decided that I really like is Emery Hunt. Um, astute, astute observations. Yeah, I agree with you right there, man. It's about the offensive line of Chicago going up against one of the better defensive front sevens in football. So that's a tough matchup, especially when you're breaking in a new offense. I know San Francisco is technically breaking in a new quarterback, so you may see some inconsistency here. But with the way that defense for San Francisco will get after Justin Fields, those bonus possessions that they'll get will just help the quarterback ease into the game a little bit faster uh, than Chicago. So I love San Francisco here, so I'm laying the points. Man. Isn't that crazy how you could just look at the basic information and come to a conclusion rather than saying stupid stuff for stupid reasons? But I think that just depends what kind of a host you have, right? These are like numbers people who are looking at data and information and are like, here's the best available information and the conclusion you can draw from it. And guys like on the NFL show, you know, NFL, I keep, I don't know, what what do you call it? Like NFL.com is only NFL.com. It's NFL, NFL Network, I guess. Staff for the NFL in whatever capacity. Then you've got, you know, Brady Quinn. The Bears roster just is in a bad spot. There's no other way to put it right now. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not necessarily saying I'm buying into the 49ers and Trey Lance all of a sudden becoming the player that he needs to be at this point. He still looks green, in my opinion. 
But I think the 49ers are going to be able to run the football effectively. They'll put in enough boots and move the pockets to make Trey Lance feel comfortable. Thank you, Brady. Let me, I could take it from here. So bottom line, the 49ers still suck, but nowhere near as bad as the Bears. Do I, do I have that about right? I think I have that about right. It's very obvious who's going to win the game. I just want to make sure we drive home the point here. So look, the 49ers are six point favorites for a reason. It's not a coin toss. It's not a match. You know, we can get all cutesy if we want. Week one with very limited information with all new teams and all this stuff. Vegas is still looking at it saying, I have plenty of information to say that they should win by nearly a touchdown. So yeah, when you take um, one of the best pass rushers in football in Nick Bosa, when you take one of the premier interior guys in Armstead, I have no idea what Drake Jackson's doing that they drafted, if he's playing, if he's healthy, if he's looking good, but he's also there because why not? You've got one of the best linebackers in all of football, Fred Warner, actually good, not like, you know, Roquan. I'm talking this guy can cover and can play the run and can be a sideline to sideline guy and is an incredibly intelligent player. Not the most elite corners in the world, but very competent. Yeah, Mooney probably has an advantage, but not much of one. In fact, Mooney ranked 33rd among wide receivers, Mosley ranked 30th. All their other corners match up better than the wide receivers do. I don't know how this offense moves the ball against the 49ers defense. I just don't. So much as we want to talk about the 49ers are going to struggle and everything, primarily because they don't have Jimmy Garoppolo, it's still largely the same defense. And on the other side of the ball, as much as they want to brag about Quinn and Muhammad, who are mediocre pass rushers, you're going up against one of the better duos in football. McGlinchey's, eh. But when you look at uh, Trent Williams, I mean, the guy is 34 years old. He had maybe the best tackle performance in PFF's era history. 96.6 overall grade. And the crazy thing is, it wasn't even that unusual for him. Last year, he was a 92. He's been the number one tackle in football two years in a row at 33 and 34 years old. It's the third time he was the number one rated tackle in football. And that was the, the third time was 2013. So he's just been an elite player. Actually, I'm sorry, the fourth time, 2016 as well. 2013, 16, 20, and 21, number one tackle in football. So go ahead and brag about uh, Robert Quinn. You've got... Nothing corners going up against Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. You've got a team that maybe doesn't have the best offensive line anymore. Yes, the tackles are solid interior struggles, but they always are able to run the ball, and they're going to continue to, on top of the fact that, yeah, Trey Lance can run, which is another factor you're going to have to pay attention to. But there's nothing, there's nothing, 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 nothing here. The highest graded player on this defense is a 69.9 overall grade. 69.9, that's Robert Quinn, 34th ranked edge rusher. 69, or, well, 74.7, Darnell Mooney, highest graded player on the entire team last year. No wonder the Bears love him so much and think he's elite. He was by far the best player on the team. They just didn't have the ability to compare him to actual competent football players. Had there been other players like Devontae or whatever on the team, Darnell Mooney would have looked like Alan Lazard, and nobody would have talked about him. This is a disaster, and I can't wait for this disaster to unravel. Anyways, it's enough of that. Uh, let's get to our uh, best defensive and offensive players. Let's start with the offense because that makes the most sense. Edward says, I reckon we'll go with Rodgers. 24 of 30, 348 yards, three touchdowns and a fumble. Wow, that's some stats right there. Goose wants A.J. Dillon. By the way, I don't know if you guys have ever really got this right. (laughs) But uh, A.J. Dillon. Craig says uh, Joan. Do we have just one Jones, Aaron Jones? Jason says Josh Myers. Steve says Jones. Aaron Nelson says Cobby. I got to remember to check special teams. Might have an outside shot on there if things don't go well. Uh, Aaron Miller says Jones. Roger says Jones. Man, Aaron Jones is like the guy. 
probably with everybody assuming he's going to be the number one running back and number one wide receiver. Uh, Brian says, I'm torn between Dylan and Dobbs, but I'm going to lean 87, assuming the Vikings may, quote, try to make the wide receivers beat them. That does make a lot of sense, and I bet that's exactly what they're going to do. And then Andy says, Aaron Jones, 100-plus rushing yards and 40-plus receiving yards. Well, we had about um, about 10 submissions and about three different names. <laughs> I guess it was all Aaron Jones. Uh, a lot of high expectations for Jones. We'll see how it goes. Defense, best player, Quinton and Patrick, said Rashawn Gary. I just doubled it up because Patrick just said ditto. Edwards says Campbell. Goose says smash Amos. Craig says Jair. The good thing about the defense is there's so many different players. You could go a little bit more obscure or just pick one of the stars and you're still picking different guys. Brian commented on Craig's post about Jair. He says, I think he has to be for us to win. We lost last year because of Jefferson's day. If 23 can negate that, I don't believe they have a chance. And I agree with that. Jason says Kenny Clark. Steve says Preston Smith. Aaron says my man Gary. Roger says Kenny Clark will destroy their middle. Andy Monday says Rashawn Scary. So I think offensive and defensively, some of the guys that were left off, Sammy, for obvious reasons, again, I know everybody hates him. The offensive tackles, which potentially are playing, no votes for Christian Watson. No votes for, oh wait, we did have A.J. Dillon. I think Goose said A.J. Dillon. Defensively, Savage gets no love. Quay gets no love. No defensive lineman outside of um, Kenny. No corners aside from Jair. No, not even Razul. So we'll see how it goes. Best of luck to you folks. Anyways, we are an hour and 20 or so into this, so I suppose I should let you go if I have to. You guys have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you for hopefully Victory Monday tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>